0: This is an ABC podcast. On ABC Radio Victoria, you're with Peter Somerville for the Victorian Country Hour.
1: Bit of a lucky dip, isn't it? Choose your own adventure. Good afternoon. Yes, it is Peter Somerville here. Great to be with you for a short and snappy Country Hour today during the lunch break of the cricket. uh, It is the country 25 minutes in actual fact today and we've got lots to cover off in that time today is the day for tariffs to drop on many of australia's agricultural exports bound for india also harvest drags on you'll hear how one farmer is negotiating that And we take a look back at how the dairy industry fared in 2022 and what dairy farmers have ahead for 2023. But given it's a short show, uh, let's get straight into it and head on over to the Bureau of Meteorology where Matthew Thomas is on the line. Good afternoon. Hello, how are you? I'm well. Um, What can we look forward to for the rest of today?
2: Well, for the rest of today, we've got um, a ridge of um, high pressure just to the south of um, Victoria. And we've got a, a trough developing about the northeast. They're combining just to give cloudy conditions through Gippsland and over the, the central district, and the clouds beginning to build on that trough about the, um, the northeast. Um, we'll see some showers and, um, and storms develop about um, eastern Victoria. Now, the thunderstorms are most likely about the northeast. We did see some storms um, yesterday that produced um, around 15 to 20 millimetres um, in fairly quick time yesterday. So 21 millimetres at Wangaratta was the um, the highest rainfall um, to 9am this morning. And we can expect fairly similar um, today with... um, Storms that develop about the, the northeast could produce, um, could produce 10 to 20 millimetres, but generally less than 5 millimetres in the showers through, um, through Gippsland. But that um, trough will just strengthen over coming days about um, eastern Victoria, with the showers and the storms um, redeveloping again um, into um, Friday um, and pushing also into um, central districts, so really pushing into... Um, Eastern parts of the northern country, north central, and um, and the central district as well. Um, and the, once again, we could see um, some reasonable falls with those um, with those um, storms. So it could be the, you know 15 to 30 millimetres possible with thunderstorms tomorrow, um, particularly about the um, the eastern um, ranges. Um, One. On Saturday, very similar conditions with that ridge of high pressure just remaining to the south of Victoria, the trough about eastern Victoria, showers and storms most likely during the afternoon or early evening about um, about eastern um, and parts of central um, Victoria. So remaining dry over the next few days in particular about the, the Wimmera and the Mallee and um, western parts of the, the northern country and, um, and the uh, north central um, and also into the um, the southwest only expecting to see some isolated showers really about um, coastal locations um, into um, into tomorrow um, on um, new year's um, day on Sunday we will see that trough begin to um, to weaken and um, and the, the showers and storms will contract more towards um, gippsland and the, the northeast um, and then Um, On Monday, we'll see a a change move through. Now, we are expecting it to be very hot, um, particularly on Friday, Saturday, um, Sunday, and then into Monday. So just looking at um, some of the temperatures we are expecting. um, So around Mildura, we're expecting it to be 32 um, tomorrow, jumping to 36 on Saturday, 41 on Sunday, 42 on Monday. And similar conditions... um, Elsewhere, getting up to um, 38 by Monday. So, we are expecting um, uh, that's for, for Bendigo. So, we are expecting to see um, um, heat wave conditions develop, in particular, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are the key days. Um, so, it's a low intensity heat wave that we expect through those. Uh, through those days. Um, and once that change moves through on, on Monday, we we're looking at um, showers on and south of the ranges through Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday next week and significantly cooler conditions.
1: Uh, Matthew, perhaps uh, most immediately, uh, just quickly, will there be any warnings for those storms that are coming?
2: Um, look, um, for today, um, well, with the, the thunderstorms, if we do put out warnings, we have to, to wait and see them develop. We are seeing some storms develop um, um, over New South Wales, a little bit more to north of the, the border. We haven't seen any storms develop over Victoria yet. Um, if any storms do develop, um, we could see some warnings. In particular, I think um, the days that I would watch out for in terms of um, severe storms will be um, Friday and Saturday. They're the most likely days, and in particular through, um, through the northeast and, um, and eastern parts of the northern country and north-central rain um, districts.
1: All right, Uh, Matthew, thanks as always for the update.
2: No worries. Have a good um, good afternoon.
1: You too, and uh, enjoy the cricket if you're that way inclined. Uh, Matthew Thomas there from the Bureau of Meteorology uh, bringing us up to speed with what we can expect on the weather front.
0: The Victorian Country Hour with Peter Somerville on ABC Radio Victoria.
1: A quarter to one. Harvest continues to roll on at a snail's pace in large parts of the state, Many grain growers who would usually be well and truly wrapped up at or before Christmas still have weeks to go as heavy crops hold up progress. Brian Klaus, who farms at Natamuk, says while it's slow progress, the yields are exceptional.
3: Uh, yeah, slowly, um, but overall pretty good. Like we're, we're happy. Yeah, canola yields were, you know, um, probably the best average we've ever had. Yeah, barley is yeah, probably just above average and wheat yeah, I'd say the same, just above average sort of thing. Um yeah, so quality-wise canola well that was fine, no issues with canola. Um good oils, barley's all made malt, so we're pretty happy with that. And wheat we're getting from H1 to SFW probably in the same paddock. Um so yeah, that's yeah, that's what the wheat job's done?
4: Okay, so malt in your barley, Brian. <laughs> a lot of people just getting bar, bar one or bar two or bar three or bar four, but you'd be pleased to be getting malt.
3: Yeah, no, that's that's right. It was it. Yeah, and it and it was just the whole lot went malt. So yeah, I think it. I think it's just variety. Variety's a big thing. We had Maximus. It's performed. It's yielded, and it's yeah, test weight and quality's just been just spot on the money.
4: And you said yields. uh at average or above average. Brian, what sorts of figures are we talking?
3: Canola, over all our canola, we had just over four tonne average. Um, best canola went just to be thick 5 tonne. Uh, barley yields are sort of sitting around that 5.5 tonne. And wheat, I reckon the wheat, we haven't done a heap of wheat, but what we have done, early stuff was sort of that 5.5, and, and yeah, where we are now is just under 5, so... Yeah, I reckon the wheat will be bad on average.
4: How far through the program are you?
3: We'd be just over halfway. So touch wood, you know, another, say, three weeks, we'd have a fair bit of it wound up sort of thing.
4: And we're, we're already after Christmas. Where would you be typically at this time of year?
3: Probably still harvesting. <laughs> um, normally we sort of finish by New Year sort of thing, so we're going to be a good couple of weeks. Three weeks behind where we where we'd normally be, but anyway, it's it's okay. The whole season sort of run late, so yeah, it's it's actually okay.
4: And lots of people impacted by waterlogging or flooding, and as well as disease. How have you got on in relation to those? Ah, uh,
3: waterlogging we've been pretty good. Like yeah, we've, we've like everyone we've got crab holes and small areas, but we haven't lost huge areas or anything like that. Uh, Disease-wise, we had a pretty big fungicide program, so it's actually paid off. We actually had a um, a couple of trial trial strips, as we call them, where we actually never put fungicide on, and uh, especially that first fungicide, we went from five and a half tonne to the hectare to 250 kilograms. That was the difference in, yeah, using good quality fungicides.
4: Right, so no fungicide equals essentially a write-off this season.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it would have been right off. There would have been nothing there whatsoever. So, yeah, and I, I actually, that's one thing in the wheat. We're getting protein in the wheat. And I I think it's, it wasn't a tight weather wise finish, but it, the actual wheat's got the visual appearance of droughty wheat. We're getting sort of 12 and 13% protein wheat. And yeah, I reckon the disease has probably uh, pinched it at the end. Um, it's either the disease or whether it was wet whether that's had an impact on it more than what we actually thought.
4: In terms of carting your grain, Brian, how are you getting on at the receival sites with turnaround speeds?
3: Um, actually pretty good, yeah. Probably 90% that we haven't stored has gone to dimmy. And, yeah, it's actually been pretty good. Like, yeah, the odd day where they've had a breakdown or whatever, but overall, no, it's actually, actually been good. And, yeah, especially considering the big variation in quality, you know, load-to-load sort of thing, what they're actually doing. I think it's actually gone overall pretty good.
4: And how about marketing your grain, Brian? Have you sold any, or will you worry about that after harvest?
3: We had a fair few forward. We always do a fair few forward. So, yeah, we've just basically filled contracts, Um, especially with canola. We filled all the contracts we had done sort of six months ago. So, and then, yeah, we'll just market it later on. There appears to be upside in the wheat job. Price-wise, yeah, you know, there should be, you know, another fifty bucks in the job, really. But yeah, whether the marketers are going to pass it on or not's another thing. But yeah, overall, it, yeah, we we've actually got pricing where, well, it's at the minimum of where it needs to be given the cost of production. But yeah, overall, you can still make it work at where it is, just sort of thing.
4: Brian, I know you're about to fire up for the day, so I'll let you get into it. But thanks for having a chat.
3: No worries. All right, thank you.
1: That was Natty farmer Brian Klaus speaking there with Angus Verley. Uh, And speaking of keeping things moving on your short Country Hour today, Peter Somerville with you, nine minutes to one. Uh, We're going to take a look back at the year that's been for various commodities on the Country Hour over the next week or so. But today we're going to talk about the year that's been for the dairy industry. Amid the talk of high input costs and also high prices, how did Victoria's dairy farmers survive the year? Let's find out now. I'm joined on the Country Hour this afternoon by re-elected United Dairy Farmers of Victoria President Mark Billing. Good afternoon, Mark.
5: Good morning, Peter.
1: Uh, Mark, I think the headline this year was that 2022 was the fourth most profitable year out of the past 16 for dairy farmers. Uh, As a dairy farmer yourself, did you find that is the industry in a a relatively good place as we round out this year?
5: Yeah, look I think we are. Um look there's been a number of um factors that have created headwinds for dairy farmers and and one obviously is input costs. It's been pretty significant particularly at the um back end of last financial year um, when we were still operating on the uh, on the previous season milk price but our costs had blown out so there was a bit of a um a crossover there which created some cash flow issues but um moving into the current milk season um very fairly strong. Farmgate milk prices, and and as we work through that silly season in sort of April, May, June for um, companies' milk prices to settle down and and find their um, water level, I think it's been really interesting to watch what's happened since. So um, costs, obviously, still a major issue, although um, some of those have softened back. But um, the global milk price um, has settled a bit too. So watching global dairy trade out of New Zealand, it it sort of dropped up, uh, sorry, dropped off a little bit. Um, So, yeah, look, I think longer term, it's still fairly positive for the industry. Um, But, yeah, we've still got some headwinds to deal with.
1: So between some of those input costs dropping a little bit through the year, uh, you're now into a new supply season with better prices. Some people have even seen a a step up, I believe, towards the end of the year. Have things improved throughout the year?
5: Yeah, look, I think the, the one thing that didn't improve was the weather. Um, So there's significant impact um, across Victoria and particularly New South Wales, sorry, Southern New South Wales as well. But um, in Northern Victoria with the flooding that they've had has impacted significantly on farmers um, and that's sort of flowed through to um, the milk volumes. Um, And then in Gippsland and and Southwest Victoria, there's been major challenges. It's been a pretty tough year in the Southwest as it has in, in Gippsland with dealing with pug paddocks and sort of poorer quality silage production because of um, the weather conditions and not being able to get fertiliser out and paddocks pugged, et cetera. But um, hopefully we're through the worst of that and, and sort of looking forward into the new year, at least um, some, some weather that's more conducive to growing grass.
1: Absolutely. You're uh, well aware of that. You're in the southwest where it has been incredibly wet. Um, how challenging has that been? How does it compare to other challenging years?
5: Oh look! I don't think I can compare this season um, to any others. To be honest, um, I think we threw out the book, the real book, around putting nitrogen in, out. In particular, um, I think that um, the season's ran pretty late. We've still got pretty good grass cover at the moment, whereas normally we'd be feeding silage pretty heavily right now and relying on summer crops to supplement. But um, you know, our su- summer crops have gone in late. Um, they're looking okay at the moment, but uh, they're, they're still at least a month away, we actually haven't started feeding the silage back out, but we haven't finished silage either. So um, it's been really challenging to maintain rotations and, and pasture cover. And, and there's, you know, the dry paddocks on farms have been absolutely hammered because they're about the only place we could put cows. Um, and look, I think there was a lot of silage sort of fed where it could be fed over the winter period to, to keep the cows um, in good nick and, and making sure that they come through the season as best we can.
1: You're listening to the Victorian Country Hour. Peter Somerville with you this afternoon and Mark Billing is my guest right now. We're speaking uh, about the year that's been for dairy. Um, Mark, we've, I guess we've covered what's happening um, on farm a lot so far, but... What about beyond the farm gate? Production is down by almost a tenth across the industry. And we saw just very recently that Dairy Food Safety Victoria's annual report, which shows that 60 dairy farms have exited the industry over the year. There's around 2,000 fewer people employed in the industry. Are you worried about those figures, about the decline?
5: Um, yes, is the short answer. And I suppose, um, look, there's there's farmers taking the opportunity to move out of the industry if they've come to the end of their farming careers. Um, and while, while milk prices are strong, um, land prices are also pretty good. So if there's been farming businesses that have been looking at, well, what do we do in the next four to five years? And they might be taking the opportunity now to to move out of dairy and even sort of pivoting into beef um, as an alternative. And, and there's a couple of factors that have created that situation and, and look I think one of the biggest ones has been labour. Um, so sourcing labour has been really difficult uh, right through COVID. Um, it's still an issue um, with some of the changes with the labour availability out of the UK with backpackers um, not actually having to work in rural areas at the moment. I think that's something that we need to revisit as a as an organisation so that we can sort of have that labour available. But um, that labour availability has also meant that there's been some downsizing of herds and sort of consolidating because uh, a lot of the workload's coming back onto the farm owners. And uh, look, I think we're all pretty tired after the last couple of years.
1: Absolutely. And uh, you've got an extra reason to be tired. You are the UDV president as well as a dairy farmer. It's been a busy year for UDV. What stands out to you or how will you remember 2022 in terms of that work?
5: Well, when I first kicked off, um, which was back in July, if you recall then, FMD and LSD were pretty high on on the agenda and there was a lot of time and effort spent. Advocating for Victoria's dairy farmers to ensure that biosecurity was the best that we could have it at our borders, um, and then right through the supply chain as to you know the planning, and there was already a lot of planning in place, but um, making sure that um, you know every dairy farmer had a um, biosecurity plan in place to sort of ease the situation if we did um, have the worst happen and. Get an incursion of fmd or, or lSD so there was a huge amount of work that went in the background there for that at uh, both Victorian and a national level and we worked pretty closely with dairy australia and and governments to um to get to that end point so the heat's gone out of that a little bit now but the risk is still obviously there so that that was probably the first first thing that was really having to deal with and then the other thing with our organization is that a lot of the policy developments are slow burn so I think one of the wins that we did have that took us a couple of years, though, was getting the tyres on, on farm for fodder production, um, having the requirements to for permitting, etc. softened soften to a point that's more practical for dairy farmers, and that that took a lot of time and effort in the background as well. So, But I think that was a pretty good win. There's some work that um, VFF and UDV did around the telehandlers and the licence requirements. Um, so there's some of the – just two of the things that – that we're working on it and looking into the future around policy is the the review of the animal welfare legislation at victorian level that um we've got to be on the front foot with and ensure that dairy farmers voices are heard when that legislation is being um reviewed and developed
1: yeah i was going to ask you about what's ahead in 2023 will that be one of the big ones what else do you think you'll be working on
5: yeah, look, I think that animal welfare legislation will be one of the big ones. Um, I think the other thing too that we've got to really start working on is is removing as much red tape as we possibly can. And and as I said, with the work that we did with EPA was was good. We sort of removed a lot of the the compliance cost as well as uh, the time and effort that has to go into to those sorts of things. So I think um, there's we're sort of ready, willing, and able to tackle what's um, coming over the the hill at us as far as that. Um, agency space goes. But at the same time, there's um, we want to have a reconnection too with our members at, at UDV level so that we can uh, better represent them and feedback what's what's happening and what we're doing on, on behalf of our members.
1: Well, uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from you in, into the new year. Uh, Mark Billing, thanks for joining us on The Country Hour.
5: Not a problem at all, Peter.
1: United Dairy Farmers of Victoria, President Mark Billing there Uh, and stay tuned to the Country Hour over the next week or so because we'll recap the year that's been for livestock, wool and grain markets. But right now, uh, with just a few minutes left on the program, Australia's Trade Minister says he's already in talks to expand the free trade agreement with India. The Australia India Economic Cooperation and Trade Agreement comes into play from today, eliminating tariffs on 85% of Aussie exports like wine, sheep meat, and horticulture. Minister Don Farrell tells Megan Hughes a second round trade deal could include additional agricultural products like beef, dairy, and chickpeas, which have been left out of this deal.
6: We are uh, having a second round of discussions with the Indian government, where we hope to extend the range of products that will be included in our uh, in our free trade agreement. The Prime Minister is visiting uh, India early next uh, early next year, uh, and that will give us an opportunity to further extend our uh, our trading relationship with the uh, with the Indian government.
0: And also as part of this agreement was a 1,000 visas for, and I think some of them were working holiday visas, if I'm correct. Will those um, working holiday makers have to complete the 88 days of farm work in rural areas?
6: Um, look, those uh, are issues that we have to uh, finally uh, determine, but um, I, uh, I would be confident that the uh, Australian economy benefits very significantly from these additional Indian workers. As, as you know, right throughout the, uh, the country, there are labour shortages and we're looking to these uh, 1,000 new Indian uh, uh, visa recipients uh, to fill some of the gaps that uh, currently exist in our workforce, particularly in the country.
0: Now, a thousand visas. When you compare that to the actual war, worker shortage in Australia, which is tens of thousands of people, is there going to be scope as well in your second round of agreements to expand the number of visas?
6: Um, look, I believe that'll be one of the very significant issues that will be on the table in those uh, in those discussions. The the Indian government is uh, very keen to expand um, the uh, the opportunities for. Indians to to come to Australia. yeah we'd we'd like to um, see them here. They've uh, been terrific terrific uh, students, uh, and we'd look forward to uh, expanding our relationship with India in the in the months ahead.
0: Now, speaking of another free trade agreement, you have just been in talks, um, I think, for the last sort of 10 days or so with um, the European Union. How is that one progressing? I've seen quotes saying that you won't just sign it for the sake of it. it that doesn't sound that positive that the uh, discussions have been going well.
6: Oh look! I got a very good uh, reception in uh, in uh, Europe, uh, Megan, and Australia is viewed very very positively there. But there are some tough negotiations uh, ahead. There are a number of crucial issues that are going to be very difficult on on both sides to uh, to deal with. Um, One of those issues is the issue of geographic uh, indicators, where uh, the Europeans are seeking to uh, prevent uh, Australian producers from. Uh, using a range of uh, names, which uh, they feel uh, very, uh, very strongly about. But having said all that, I, I do think that the opportunities um, are there to uh, have a, uh, a breakthrough uh, agreement uh, with the Europeans. One of the advantages that we have in those uh, negotiations is they want uh, the Europeans want access to our critical minerals uh, and our, our rare earths. I think that's. Uh, going to be a very key part of the uh, of the negotiations and i'm looking forward to trying to finalize that agreement by the middle of next year
1: that was australia's trade minister don farrell speaking there with megan hughes and uh, that is just about all the time i have for you on this short country hour today quickly looking at the text line uh, good afternoon to you, Kylie, at Daysdale, just uh, north of Rutherglen, I believe, uh, in New South Wales. 4.4 millimetres of rain there, and a Happy New Year to your listeners. Uh, certainly, Happy New Year to all of you listening. Uh, we w- we're not quite done just yet, though. We will be here tomorrow, live from the Dumbolk Camp Draft. Do tune in for that one. Right now, though, it's back to the cricket. Have a great afternoon.